0: How to grow a YouTube channel, how to make a ton of money off of YouTube channel, get your perfect clients, some of the biggest mistakes, how do you speaking to improve your business? How do you speaking to grow as an executive? How do you speaking to grow as an introvert inside your business? We're gonna talk to Brendan from Master Talks. He's gonna go through um, the value filter that he uses, how he uses YouTube as a closer his simple hack to get to the first 1,000 subscribers, his 10-year mindsets, the biggest mistake people make on YouTube, and and how the difference between Brene Brown and Gary Vaynerchuk in your style and your speaking. It's, I mean, I took pages and pages of notes. You can see them in down below if you're watching on YouTube or you can click on it. And of course, it's brought to you by case story is one of the best places to get your client stories to be used on YouTube, to be used on LinkedIn, to be used in about 50 different places. Go to video case story.com to learn how. Uh, Brendan, thank you so much for being on The Garlic Marketing Show. Tell me before we get started, and, and, and because I mean, even when we get into that, who you work with and, and what are some of the results that you've got for them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to talk about that. So, most of the clients that we work with are generally executives in corporate or entrepreneurs. So, they're individuals who really want to focus on the upping up, leveling up their communication style, the way that they communicate ideas. So, I'll give you a few examples. One is presentation skills, right? Refining the ums and ahs, getting rid of the filler words, improving your pacing, vocal variety. We fix all of that in four weeks. And then after that, it's executive mastery, right? The way that we give feedback. How do we make sure that our team members leave inspired, not just informed? And then the third piece is relationship building. Now that you're great at presentations, how do you use your smiling? How do you use the technique to build better rapport with the people you meet for the first time?
0: I mean, and that's probably the three most important things in uh, in, in leadership. So that's that's powerful. And what, you know... Tell me a little more specifically about, you know, types of companies, types of people you've worked with and some of the results that you know, what this has done for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I would say for for our three main clients, the outcome has been has been solid but different. So let me go through all of them. So for the for the corporate executive, for them it's it's the next promotion and to make sure that the next promotion they're ready for from a leadership perspective so i'll I'll give an example let's say somebody goes from manager to vice president well when they go from manager to vice president whether they get the promotion or not before and after the program when they get it they also got to make sure they're thriving in that role so communication especially the program that they take allows them to improve the micro interactions of the app so let me explain what that means so when you're a manager you have a lot less meetings that you get called into than when you're a vp and above so, when you be, as you become more senior in a company, the level, the number of interaction on a daily basis starts increasing rapidly. So you need to be more concise about how you communicate ideas effectively. So that's the outcome that we've seen for them. For the coaches, the outcome has been, how do you communicate more effectively during free trainings, facilitating groups, and also on sales calls? Because if if the coach when they're speaking to someone is too loud, is interrupting too much, it doesn't build trust as quickly. So people don't want to work with them and they lose sales conversions for the offer that they're pitching in and a call that they have. So that's the results we've seen. They're able to adapt their energy a lot more quickly. Are, are they introverts? Are they extroverts? And then adapting the energy to make sure that they're asking the right questions and closing the right personalities into their offers. And then the third type of customer is the entrepreneurs. So what I always tell entrepreneurs is you got you need to make sure that as you scale the business, that your communication skills are scaling with the business. So an example I can give you is let's say you're an entrepreneur doing $100,000. Communication is probably not a priority for you. You're trying to deliver. You're trying to make sure your product makes sense. You're trying to get everything sorted. But when you get to a million, at that point, you're not delivering the product anymore. Ideally, you have a team doing the fulfillment. You have a team doing the sales. So you need to be able to scale your communication style so that you're able to teach your teams how to deliver the work that you once did. So that's the, that's what the results we've seen for the entrepreneurs. That makes sense.
0: That makes complete sense. Um so when someone does this, well actually, I, you know one of the interesting things that you said in there is extroverts versus introverts. So you're saying that introverts can use this to improve their ability to communicate, uh, which is interesting to me because usually you think of speakers as most people think of speakers as extroverts, but I know I'm an introvert, but it's speaking as I love speaking, but it took a lear-
1: while learning it. So how, you know
0: how do you get help introverts use these skills?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Ian. So, so the way I think about it is the first piece I always wanted to dispel is the advantages that introverts have over extroverts that they don't even realize. So let's cover that because there's three key ones. And this is coming from an extrovert. So trust me, I had to humble myself to figure this one out because I had to learn a lot of these things over time. So the first one is listening. Introverts spend, on average, more time listening than the extrovert does, so they're able to adapt the information that they're hearing much more quickly, much more faster, into the message that they're sharing with the world. Whereas an extrovert like me that's always talking all the time, harder for me to get the information, capture it, and being able to reflect it in a way that gets the result I want. That's the first piece. The second advantage that introverts have that they're not even aware of is that they're less polarizing. So less polarizing is an example I can give you really quick. Let's say we take Gary Vaynerchuk as an example here. You either love the guy or you don't. So there's no in-between. Personally, I'm a big fan of the guy. I think he's done exceptional work. I have a lot of respect for him. But there's people who lie on the other side of the spectrum. But here's the thing. Nobody says, I hate Brene Brown. Nobody does that, right? It's it's either you like Brene Brown or there's something wrong with you. And that's what introvert speakers have in common, is that they're less polarizing as speakers. Seth Godin, not a lot of people hate Seth Godin either, is that when you're more introvert, you're actually a lot more accessible to the people that you're speaking to. And that's a second key advantage that introverts have. So now as you start to listen to these advantages, you start to realize really quickly that, wait a second, as an introvert, I actually can do a lot of things a lot more effectively than the extroverted counterparts. And once you're able to realize that's going to be a lot easier for you to leverage your strengths and get the success that you're looking for without having to, to be really loud like an extrovert has to be.
0: Love it. I, yeah, I mean, those are very big points. And it's it's that's such a good point. Yeah. You, if anyone hates Brene Brown, you're like, what? But you know, like half the people, if you, if anyone knows who Gary Vee is, they either hate him or love him. Uh, <laughs> or they love him, then hate him or hate him, then love him. um and so you know when we do this and you're talking about then now using this to build relationships explain to me the gap because i mean it it makes sense and logic but how you're using this then to build better relationships
1: yeah i would say so let me i got tactics on this too but i would say from on a High, a principle basis, design. The idea with relationship building is it forces you into putting out more output. So when you're a better speaker, you're a better communicator, and that's what experts have in general, is they're not afraid to take the risk to meet more people than introverts are. So as you get better and you get more confident as a speaker, you become a lot more comfortable talking to a wider range of individuals that you then meet who are more higher quality that leads to the outcomes that you're looking for. But let me give you specific tactics to help us think about this as well. Here's the analogy I always like to give. Let's say you meet somebody new every few days, okay? Give or take every three days, let's say, three or four days, which is optimistic for most. In a year, you'll probably end up meeting 100 people, give or take. Okay, it's optimistic for most people, but let's just give it, let's just say 100, and let's say we live for 50 more years. So let's say as the example, let's say you're 35 years old. Currently, you live until 85, okay, as an example. In those 50 years, if you do the math, and I won't make this too, uh, too complicated, you only get to meet 5,000 people. And most people don't think of relationship building that way, Ian is that in your entire life, or a big chunk of it, you only get to meet a few thousands out of billions of people in the world. So the question we need to start asking ourselves is who do we want those 5,000 people to be? And when we start to ask that question, then we start to filter really quickly where the conversation quickly changes from, oh my God, I need, to, I need everyone to like me to, wait a second, why am I talking to this person? Why am I in this room? What values does that person have? And you start to get a lot more pickier, a lot more pickier. And then the last tip I'll give on relationship building that will help is what I call the value list that I teach clients. So the value list is super simple. You make a list of 10 individuals, 10, and you rank them based solely on how much they pour into you. The money doesn't matter. Celebrity status doesn't matter. Oprah, like Oprah's great, but doesn't matter, right? What matters is really how much is that person pour into you? So I did that in the mastermind group we're a part of, where I met a bunch of people and I ranked everyone in the group based on how much they poured into me. And the reason why this is important, Ayan, is because it gives you an intentional signal to go, okay, these are the 10 people need to pour into. And Ayan was, by the way, number one on the list for those who are wondering. Oh, yeah, you were like a bear. So I was like, okay, Immediately, what, what can I do for this person? Boom, 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 when I start thinking about it in my head. So what the value list allows us to do, I, and people do this a personal network, just the people you already have access to. Because the biggest mistake we're making with relationship building right now is that we're not pouring into the people that we already know. Like that is by far the biggest mistake. You make a list of the top 10 people, and every week I look at those people, and I go, what have I done for them lately? And that's how I've been able to level up my network over time.
0: I love that. That is fantastic. I mean, and, you know, I, I love the 5,000 person mindset, too, because it, it reminds of, me of, you know, the idea of 4,000 weeks and it really honing in on how we use our 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 time, but also how we use our relationships. That's super smart. Because, it, it, you know, we just think we're, there's this misconception that we're going to, you know, and, and when you say it out loud, it's stupid. I'm going to meet all the people in the world, but you're not. <laughs> Even if you wanted it's to. A, yeah. <laughs> No, even if, but even, I mean, you couldn't even be in front of all the people in the world. I mean, like TV wise. So yeah, much less meeting them. And I think that is fantastic. I think we all think we're going to be famous. And it's, it's amazing now that I think about it because we look at those stats and it's like, oh, I got 20,000 views and 50,000 views, but you're not really meeting those people. And, and you, I mean, we're going to talk about it in a second. You have some videos with 50,000 views, but you're still concentrating on those 10 people. That's genius. Um, and you know, and it's really, really what builds business, isn't it?
1: Oh yeah. Relationship building for me is like having a sports team, right? So as you rank up in different professional leagues and as you give more in the same way you do to other people, you eventually get access to higher and higher level people and you start to climb the ladder. So that way, but the other piece of that iron that's important is as we become, and you know, this, it's just a good reminder for all of us as we become more successful, more people want our time and more people want access to us. More people want to speak to us. So especially as we become more successful, we need to be a lot more intentional about the people who bet on us so that we're actually getting an ROI for the time that we're investing in other people. So that's why I think of it like a sports team where the, with a very exception. So there's like a 5% like your family that you don't want to change obviously. But then with the 90, 95% that people are pouring into, you really want to make sure everyone's growth minded and helping each other out at the top.
0: And and, I mean, everyone says it's like, you know, it's your, your network is your net worth. And I think that we've heard all those things so many times that we, almost feel like we don't have to be intentional about it. It it becomes like, it becomes background noise. It's their fundamentals and really getting good at fundamentals, like free throws. I always thought about this, you know, it's free throws. How many people you wouldn't, most people wouldn't read a book on free throws, but it's, it's what makes championships. If everyone's shooting 90%, we saw that with the Milwaukee Bucks. This year, you know, if, if everyone's shooting 85% of their free throws, it makes a huge g- difference, but no one talks about it. Cause it's not sexy. Right. Um, and I love because, yeah. So now here, because this is a big, big problem. I, I see. I get people that come to me, you know, when we're doing videos, we're doing YouTube and they're worried about metrics, like 50,000 views, 80,000 views. And like, if, if you are really talking to the right people, you know, having a hundred views on these videos is enough, but you have, and I, cause I see the two sides of this here, you have a big YouTube channel, but you're concentrating on 10 to 20 people, the 5,000 person mindset. So how does the YouTube channel fit into what you're doing here with that, with that mindset?
1: Excellent question, brother. So, so here's the principle that we can start with that I feel a lot of people don't focus on. So let's go through it is when we think about personal brands, Right, which, is, which is what all of us are becoming, whether we like it or not, especially as business owners, is we are becoming media companies ourselves. So the question we always need to ask ourselves is who do we want to be in 10 years? What I feel a lot of get people get lost by is get distracted. They go, oh, TikTok's really hot right now. LinkedIn Organic's really hot right now. Let me start posting seven times a day. Like, no, people are going to burn out instead, <laughs> right? It's like I'm sure you hear this all the time. And so the key is more like, okay, who am I and what what's my brand in 10 years and how do I reverse engineer that brand? That is the better question to ask. So when I looked at all of the social networks, when I started posting content three years ago or so, three, almost four now, I just asked myself a simple question. What are the platforms that I can invest five to 10 years of my life that compound over time and status? So if you think mm-hmm. about it, like a simple question, if I asked you to list the number of people that got famous off podcasting, just off podcasting, you would run out of names really quickly. You might go Jordan Harbinger, Lewis Howes, and then you go Ugh, Tim Ferriss, sort of, but he was on TED. So does that does that count? And he had like the four-hour work week. Does that count? So so you, you start to run out of names really quickly. But if you do that with every social, you'll get the same outcome. LinkedIn. Okay, who do you know who's famous on LinkedIn outside of LinkedIn? Yeah. Ooh. Like, I know some people are famous on LinkedIn, but I was And then you keep going through each one. Facebook, too. Okay, Facebook pages are dead. We all know it. Okay, Instagram. Oh, okay. Like, Kylie Jenner? Okay, okay but, like, she's got TV. Anyways, bottom line, Ian, is when you get to YouTube, you almost have trouble running out of things to say because there's so many people, yeah. like, from an objective perspective that are able to accumulate status. And the reason I say this is, is a guy named Sharon... Who, who's that run a, a part of master. And he has a great quote on us. He says, fame is the most efficient business model. And I completely agree with him is that if you invest, if you're going to invest time, creating content, you want to invest in a platform that pays dividends over time. And there's really only three mediums outside of writing a book that allows you to do that. Having a blog, which I would never do in my life, Having a podcast, which is exactly what you're doing, that's had a lot of success. And then the third one is having a YouTube channel. And that's why I focused on YouTube. And then your other piece around view count, I'm not a big believer in view count because a lot of my, my videos don't get a lot of views. I think for me, it's more about saying, I see YouTube more as a content library. So when somebody figures out who I am, the second they watch a YouTube video of mine, I get instant credibility. And that's not true with anything else because if I I have a podcast, somebody has to listen to the podcast for 30 minutes. Whereas with YouTube channels, people just click a video and they go, oh, this person's credible. And that's another reason why I've invested a lot of time into YouTube and why the metrics don't matter.
0: I've been searching for the best way to tell people about YouTube for 15 years. And you just said it in like Two minutes (laughs) that's
1: that's awfully kind (laughs) i mean but it's
0: true because i you know when i go to people and they're like i'm like youtube needs to be your bottom of the funnel strategy i mean before they you know everything needs to be funneling into youtube and then you figure everything out and the other part of it too is what's going to be here in 10 years this morning i'm sitting you know I'm, i'm working from home today my son's home and we sat and watched youtube videos on our tv together for a good like 20 30 minutes watching it as a family right and you think he? it's not gonna go away it's on my tv we're doing it together it, yeah it is super super powerful um so uh what's been your biggest success from youtube i mean like where you're like not numbers but like the thing it's done for your business do you do, can you name it
1: Uh, Absolutely, brother. So the way that I think about it is YouTube for me is a closer. So let me give you kind of an 80-20 trick that anyone can implement on YouTube without ever actually having, because I spend a lot of time on my YouTube channel because when my business started, it wasn't a business. I just started making YouTube videos and then it pivoted into a business later on. So the the advice I have for business owners is to make a list of the top 10 questions your prospects or current clients ask you about your business. So if you're a service-based business, let's say a coach, I don't know, your life coach, somebody asks you, what's the meaning of life, blah, blah, blah. And make a video on each of the 10 questions so that when prospects reach out to you, you can quickly give value without trading your time. So the biggest benefit that YouTube has given me, Ian, besides the status associated to it. I just have credibility and walk in a room. I would say the other piece is it allows me to close clients a lot easier, especially people who are really hot and who are debating between me and other speech coaches. So I'll give you an example of what I mean. So let's say we take speech coach A, speech, P, speech coach B, and speech coach C. And by the way, for those of you listening, apply this to your own business, right? It's just the same example, but to, to what you're doing. So A, B, C. So let's say somebody speaks to coach A. So coach A goes, okay, uh, Ian, you want to you want to buy public speaking, Okay, here's our offer. Let's get on a call. This is the pricing. Coach number B, uh, B is probably going to go, okay, you need this? Maybe talk to my assistant. Maybe come to some training and m- some freebies. We're probably going to send them a PDF or something. Coach C, which is me, is going to reply and say, what's your biggest challenge right now? And then the person's going to say X, speaking in meetings. Uh, vocal tone variety, pacing, but my YouTube channel is an answer to all of the questions because my entire content strategy is based on every question that my client asks me. So I just go, oh, Ian, just watch a video that I have. It's free. There's no opt-in. Just watch the video. And I immediately get credibility because that person goes, oh, Brendan knows what he's talking about. Let's get on a call with him. And then they, they transact with me much faster right? Especially the people who are serious about hiring a coach. So that's the, the huge benefit that YouTube has given me is that because I share all my information up for free and I only charge for implementation, I'm able to quickly organize and also distribute content to the specific question that a prospect is asking me so I can build trust with them a lot more rapidly than any other competitor in the industry.
0: That is awesome. I mean, it, it, I've been telling clients this for years. It makes complete sense. I have clients that do it, you know, because we make the videos. I'm like, are you sending the videos? And they're like, no. I'm like, that's how they work. Yes, you can get found. And I think everyone wants to get YouTube famous, but I'm like, you only need to be YouTube
1: famous to the person on the phone. Right. (laughs) That's the person that's going to send you money. That's so good, man. And just to build on that even more, because you're nailing it on the head, I completely agree. People need to know this because, yeah, sure, I got a good following now, but what most people don't know is how I got my first thousand subscribers. So the question is, how did I do it? Did I get some algorithm magic? Of course not. Google's not going to push up my videos. Google makes money when there's ads. And if you don't have a thousand subscribers on your YouTube channel, you won't, you don't get to put ads, right? So if you don't put ads, well, what happens if there's no ads, there's no revenue for Google. So when we go back to the YouTube channel, how I got my first thousand subscribers is I messaged two thousand people, Ian. I was a twenty year old twenty-two-year-old kid. I had two three thousand people in my network, because I networked like a crazy person in my university days. I just said, can you subscribe? And I got a thousand subscribers in one month. And then after that, I, I scaled up the channel. So that's the key.
0: Easy. Easy. So let's I want to get an analysis of your YouTube channel. What are you doing now on a regular basis? To make it work. Would you mind if we share the screen and kind of walk me through it? Either you can share your screen or I can share mine. You yeah, sure. Pull up your-
1: yeah, go ahead to share the screen. I'm happy to walk you through it. All right. All right. So let me pull it up here. hundred percent. And then as you're pulling it up, let me, let me go ahead and speak into that as well. So I would say the biggest thing with YouTube that's made me successful is, is the 10 year mindset, right? So whenever you think of YouTube, you need to play for a decade. So for me, when I started my YouTube channel, I just did the math. And this goes back to con- batching content. And I'll give you some strategies on that too. Is I said, okay, look, what is the minimum amount of effort that I need to put into my YouTube channel to maximize the outcome and the success of it? Okay. That's the baseline. That's the principle. And I, by looking at a lot of YouTubers, Ian, I found out that the minimum was once a week. If you post once a week in perpetuity, eventually you'll be successful. So I just said, okay, how many weeks are there in a year? 52. Okay, 52 weeks times 10 years. How many videos are that? Okay, 520 videos. So I know that if I make 520 videos, I'll win. Like, I'm guaranteed success on YouTube in 10 years. That's the way I think about it. So when I started my YouTube channel, literally, this is what I did, Ian. I have my content written currently until the end of 2023, okay? So I'm already wow. done 2023. Why? Because I wrote a YouTube video every single day. I I literally block an hour in my calendar write my YouTube video on a question a client asked me. And I did that every day for six months. That's how I accumulated 180 video scripts. And I gained a lead in my content strategy. So the trick to YouTube is you really need to think about it in a five to 10 year play. And a lot of some people disagree with me. They go like, what about like trendy content versus evergreen? In my opinion, all of my content strategy is evergreen. Because since I'm an educational content creator, as long as I, as I keep putting videos out for the next 10 years, I'll eventually win. So that's the overarching strategy.
0: I love it. And that comes back to Gino Wickman. You know, we, we talk, you know, I've had him on, and he talks about the 10-year mindset. I think that 10-year that mindset, it, it, it's interesting too because that doesn't, doesn't just take place in YouTube. If you talk to stand-up comedians, if you talk to actors, if you talk to screenwriters, anyone in LA, they'll tell you about the 10-year mindset. Like you've got to work for 10 years in general. Yes, there are some people who luck out, but you don't know how, like really what they had. for the, That overnight success usually had eight years behind it, right?
1: <laughs> 100%. Yeah,
0: and it's it's so true, taking the 10-year mindset. And we, we're like, but what about this person? What about this person? You're always going to find exceptions. You are. And I know we all want to be the exception, but why not play by the rule and win? Um, And I love it. So let's, let's walk through this because I mean, you've done a great job. I know the first, you know, we'll get a list of your your gear because I know that's the first thing everyone's gonna ask me about because you're doing a great job on your videos. Um, But and they look great. But um, let's talk about you know, first of all, what do you think is the most – besides publishing daily, what do you think has been one of the most effective things that you've done here on your YouTube channel?
1: Absolutely. And and just to add on that more specifically, i publishing weekly. So it's one oh, yeah. Because if you do one daily, week? you'll burn out as a content creator on YouTube. Like super simple. Right? So if you look, for example, you go to videos, like uh, second column right? You click videos, right? And you just scroll and you just look at the times, right? The timestamps four weeks ago, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. I have never missed a week since I started my YouTube channel, right? that's amazing. I've been starting my, a, a week, but I only post once a week so that I don't burn out. The biggest mistake people make as content creators on YouTube is that they eventually stop being consistent. That's it. That's it. It's literally just once a week another piece i'll say because you talked about overnight success and i'm actually a great example of this too so even if i'm currently 25 you know the first gut reaction people have is they'll say oh brendan got, it was like a two-year overnight success he like posted a bunch of videos and then he became successful which isn't true because i've been coaching since i was 19 i have six years of experience on me i've coached 400 people on communication Right? So it's not, like, it's not like I'm an overnight success either. No, I put in, I put in the grace. And by the way, I'm, I still haven't – like my YouTube channel, only two or three videos, the algorithm it took off, which is one in particular that I got lucky on. But everything else is really just me chipping away bit by bit. So I would say the next piece around that, Ian, is, is it goes back to what's your strategy should be on YouTube. I fundamentally believe – and you can sort by oldest here just so people can have a visual – your first year on youtube in my opinion is just practice like if you look at a lot of my videos if you just skim through them like just so you can see what the videos look like right you'll notice it's just just super grainy like there, i'm not editing a single one i'm not really thoughtful about posting it i don't know how to work the camera i actually hated making videos in my basement like it wasn't that good but i kept practicing and showing up every week anyways I just kept showing up for a year. So here's the way I think about this: the first year you should write it off, especially if you're an entrepreneur doing a hundred less than a hundred grand a year. Okay, I I just recommend posting once a week if you're serious about YouTube. I honestly think most more than ninety percent of people shouldn't do YouTube because it requires a lot of work. I think what makes the most sense is. Uh, is the ten, eight to 10 videos where you have the top 10 questions and you just send that to cl- prospects. I think that's the 80-20. YouTube is really for people who have a mission, if I'm being honest. So like for me, the reason I started Mass Talk had nothing to do with money, brother. It was, look, I'm, I knew all this stuff about communication. Knowing was sharing that for free. So I just started making videos on the topic because I wanted to share it for free. And I did not make money in, until on, in my YouTube channel until year three. Right. So that's something else worth keeping in mind. So, another piece, and then, and then feel free to ask me follow ups, is after the first year, I got really good on camera. But then I did something else, which is I made a list of everything I was good at and everything I hated to do. So, everything I was good at, I was great at, you know, speaking on camera, great at structuring ideas. I was great at guesting on podcasts. Oh, I'd hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> based on the uh, podcast, Rodrigo. You're right doing now. great. You're doing amazing. I was just Thank thinking you. that.
0: I'm like, this isn't, I was like, because uh, I'm putting together a post on how to be a good podcast guest. So I'm like, maybe I should just have Brendan do this with me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I have some thoughts on that. We can talk about that. But yeah, but, but the other piece as well, Ian, is the cons. What did I not want to do? And to be frank, I hate making YouTube videos. I like structuring the content. I don't want to be the one pointing the camera. I don't want to be – I don't know how to edit a single video. So I hired someone like you. It's just my, my version of you in, in Montreal. People should be hiring Ian if if they know him already. But you know, like my version of, of you. Because I didn't want to take care of that stuff. I knew what I was good at. My my business was doing pretty well. So at that point I dropped actually back then, actually, Ian, I was making I, I still wasn't in a business. I was making 70-75 grand in corporate. So pr- at post tax, I was doing just so people understand the commitment. Post tax I was probably doing 40k. And because because tax rates are really high where I where I live in Canada and I spent I dropped 10 G's on my on my video production. That's 25 percent of what I was making, just so people get this with no expectation of any financial return. That's how invested I was in YouTube. And then only after after the YouTube channel started taking off with my with my guy, then I started then I started making money. But that's the that's the key that people need to understand.
0: I, that's a huge, I mean, I've been talking to people a lot about this. Cause I was at, uh, you know, I was working with, uh, and financial and, and they, they had their best producers making, you know, eight, nine figures, their best you know, their best clients, agents, whatever. And the guys that got up and really succeeded, they're like, spend before you have it. Means I mean, when you find the thing that you need to spend money on, hire the people, spend on the right marketing that you believe in and get going on it. And I think that's an important thing because I hear from people all the time. When I do that, when I make this enough amount of money, then I will do it. And really you've got to make some sacrifice and you did it and you did it for a long time and you're consistent. And that's incredible advice. And when was the moment then that you realized this is starting to pay off?
1: Yeah. So you're actually clicking on that specific video. So after the, top three books of all time video right there, you'll notice there's a switch immediately. So if you just skim the master books one and the public speaking five tips, you'll notice that that's, that's the moment where I switch from my basement to, to a professional. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then after that, I never looked back. So after I started producing professionally, at that point, the fourth video I produced professionally, which was three daily exercises to mastering public speaking, that video took off. Right. Yeah. And it's still, it's still growing a lot. So what happened after that, Ian, is I realized I can turn into a business when I met my business partner. So he's the one who watched my videos and he started giving me my first executive clients, taught me how to price my offers. This is probably two, three years ago when I knew how to coach, but I didn't know how to, how to structure the business and that's when I knew that I could do this full-time and make a big impact in the world. And that's when I started doubling down, tripling down on, on my YouTube channel and everything else I was doing. So it was in that moment.
0: Wow. Yeah. And it's like, boom, 266000
1: But, okay, so from a tactic standpoint,
0: 266000 got you. Which video do you think has made you the most money?
1: That one, for sure. Hundred percent. No one has. most of the executives. Most of the people who hired me from YouTube, they watch that video because it ranks on search. If you type public speaking yeah. training, I rank as second. They watch that video and then they immediately call me and they go, "Hey, can we talk?" And then that's how that's how I get the got the business in the early days. Anyways, most of my business comes from LinkedIn now, but, uh, yeah. but yeah.
0: And that's what I was going to ask you too. Because how how does that? Now, how do you tie LinkedIn to your YouTube channel? Is it just sending videos? How do you do that?
1: Yeah, so the way that I do do it is – there's a lot of different strategies that I use at Top of Funnel. So one of them is, of course, podcast guesting. Another one is LinkedIn, right? Being, being on LinkedIn is really helpful because a lot of our clients are professional executives. Very easy to target on LinkedIn. And then the other piece is word of mouth, of course. So what we do, and this is something people can implement in their service-based business, is instead of asking our clients for referrals, unless they have a direct one for us, we actually ask them to invite 10 people to our free trainings every quarter. So what happens is all of that's top of funnel, and all of that pours into the free training, just one funnel. And then the people who book calls with us, whether they work with us or not, we send them a collection of videos that will help them and serve them. So we always stay one step ahead in generosity. So let's say somebody gets on a call and goes, oh, I don't know if it's the right time right now. Price seems to be a bit high, et cetera, whatever. We always respond with, hey, no worries. What are your top challenges right now with communication? They go, um, I'm not really good at pausing. I'm, I don't know how to present in a way that's interesting. And I, I'm ter- terrible at speaking meetings. Video one, two, three, package it. Boom. Here you go. All I ask for is a LinkedIn recommendation exchange. So that, that's really blown up our business because since we always lead with service, especially with the YouTube channel, it's a lot easier. And people can write this down. YouTube allows you to be more generous at scale. Okay. So let me explain, right? So let me explain it differently. So let's say you're on LinkedIn and 20, 25 people are DMing you. And at this point you're doing multiple six figures. You're tired. You can't message everybody and you can't answer. You can't get on calls with anybody. So instead what you should do is you just go, what's your biggest challenge? You just copy, paste that in the chat to all 25. And then you could immediately, or have a VA copy, paste YouTube videos from your channel directly to serve them. And then if they watch the video, you know, that you're, they're a hot prospect. And then you can Opt them into your freebie, which in our cases are free training. So that's the way we think about it. Is and YouTube is also not just about business. Like obviously for me, my my business lingo has improved over the years, so I can communicate better. But for me, like the big ethos of what I do is you know the seven year old girl who can't afford me. Right, that's my ethos. So for me, it's all about going, okay, take all these executives' coaching revenue and pour more into the YouTube channel so people in, say, Kenya or India or some other country who can't afford me can still have access to all my content. Because all of this, there's no pitch right on my channel.
0: I love it. I love it. And you know, this brings me back to because you have a, a I think too many people try to sell directly from YouTube, and you have a simple call to action, right? Are Are you doing all the calls to action, make sure to subscribe, blah, 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 or are you just going, join me for the free training?
1: Yeah, you know what's what's interesting? I've, I've tried different iterations, I, I mean sorry, I've seen other iterations, and what I have felt has worked the best for me is my CTA is just subscribing and then at the end in the comments you have a you have a click you have a link if you want to join a free training but i actually never mention it at all in my videos maybe i should try it once but even that i'm against i'm kind of like uh like i want to lead with so much value that people don't even feel like they're being opted into something right so there's just like a link there so you see at the top it just says free coaching click here but i never mentioned that link at all in my, my any of my videos it's just pure value
0: yeah i mean i my instinct would be hey there's a free training i get to hang out with this guy live and especially if it's not a hardcore sell,
1: no, and not it's at a all. true
0: free train, then I would, I mean, that's, that'd be my advice there because it's like, I, I you've, you mentioned the pre train a few times. I'm like, Oh, let me think about that. Let me think about that. And it just, yeah, definitely. It's one of the things I wouldn't miss. I, I can't wait to go to one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and since, <laughs> thanks for that. And since we're speaking on, on tactics specifically, let, let me share something else since you're asking me a lot of business owner specific questions. So the, the piece about the free training that I feel will help a lot of people is the biggest mistake most people make with free trainings is that they pitch on the call. I think that's a big mistake. And I'll, I'll explain why. Because they're playing their free training with a lot of untapped potential. What do I mean by that? If you attend a free training one time and there's a pitch, will you attend that free training a second time? And the chances is almost never. You'll either buy the product or you'll leave the funnel. You'll do one or the other, or you might get like, keep getting the email sequence, whatever. But the other piece is, what if you create a free training like us, where you only gave and people can come all the time? The benefit of that is that our biggest fill to funnel, right? The the way that we fill up our trainings, like we literally have 267 people register for our next one. What's the secret? With no ad spend, by the way, no ad spend, nothing. The secret is the people who attend the free trainings. So literally, the people who attend the free trainings, I know it's simple, but nobody does it. We just message them. It doesn't matter if they become customers. Everyone's a customer, just in different ways. You just go back to them and just go, hey, I know you really love the video, the free training. Could you write us a testimony? They go, absolutely. Brenda's free training was amazing, amazing. And then three weeks later, I just message that person. I just go, hey, can you invite 10 people to the free training? And they go, absolutely, because I loved it. And there's no pitch, and it's amazing. And one of them becomes a client. That's it. But nobody leverages that.
0: It's interesting because, I mean,
1: you're playing the long game,
0: right? And and we all talk about hardcore conversion. I think, you know, and this is interesting because I think people need to choose their conversion. And it's it's what's in your wheelhouse because I'm not a, a hardcore closer. There's some people that love hardcore closing. I am not. I would rather not spend a whole lot of time. And now, if, and if something's going to be a pitch, you, you put it out there and it's like, hey, you know, this one is a pitch if you want to learn more about our services, so you can just come and learn. But if you call it free training, make it a free training. That's a really, really good point. Um, and so now where do you – are there any trends that you're seeing in your YouTube channel that are – that you're taking advantage of now?
1: Not really. I'm, I'm really boring in that regard, Ian. I would say for me it's really – especially if you're an educational thought leader, the focus is really chip it chip away little by little – but so much so that it becomes automated. So I'll give you an example with my YouTube channel. I barely give my channel any thought now, because everything's automated. I've I've written my content what like twenty months in advance now. I have all my thumbnails produced until like twenty twenty four and all my content is already written, filmed, and produced, like it's on the channel, it's just scheduled, I think we always keep a seven-week lead, and as we accumulate, my goal this year is to have a six-month lead, so for me, it's really to keep it automated, and the reason this is so important is, I, I know some people go, what about Trendy, what about all that stuff, and all that stuff's important, but that's only when you're advanced, I would say the most important tip is to last 10 years. Like, I'll give an example with me just so people really understand this. My nearest competitor, the youngest competitor, is probably in their late 30s. Late 30s at the youngest, at the oldest 60s, right? Bo Eason, Roger Love, people like that. Well, in 10 years, I'm 35, Ayan, okay? Like, I don't really care about getting virality. I know it's funny for me to say that of all people. I just care about being consistent for 10 years in the same thing with the same expertise because if i'm already here at 25 I, as the only mistake i can make i the biggest mistake i can make is if i can if i stop posting i know that's simple but it's just the truth if i write and optimize my content for the next 10 years i'll be the only speech coach in the industry at 35 with 16 years of experience in the industry right And that's what I want people to focus on more, focus more on being consistent every week for 10 years versus trying to play up a trend. I think it's easier to play up a trend with other social media channels like TikTok and LinkedIn because it's easier to post, but not on YouTube. I wouldn't recommend it.
0: Interesting. That's great. I mean, this has been fantastic advice. One last question. So how has YouTube changed your presentation skills?
1: yeah I would say for me, YouTube has forced me to become more punchier so i 'll give an example let's let 's take this medium as an example the one that we're in right now wow. podcast guesting is when I started posting youtube videos it 's like it 's like going to the gym and and uh putting on the heaviest weights because YouTube is the most competitive platform out of all the social medias in my opinion because that has the most upside, so it 's normal. So because of that competition, because you're competing people are putting up like documentaries like Matt Devella and stuff, it really forces you to go like, crap, if I'm going to talk about communication knowledge, I better be punchy straight to the point. I better be fun. And, and because of that muscle and getting to the point really quickly on YouTube, it helps me a lot across all mediums. And here's a principle people can take to the bank. Communication is a multiplier effect. It's like a domino. So the for every at the beginning your 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 progression is slow, but as you master one vertical, let's say presentation skills, you automatically get better at every vertical. So what happened with me with YouTube is after a year of practicing, I got really good at getting to the point. Okay, is this helpful for the person who's listening to the invisible person who's listening, and then after that. I was able to bring those skills into podcast guesting, so I'm not going on some 30-minute rant about a story, and I'm just going, this is the insight, this is the insight, this is the insight, this is the insight, and just keep hitting the bullseye. Love
0: it. Love it. Well, obviously, we're p- going to put a link to your YouTube channel in there. If someone else wants to follow you, what's the uh, LinkedIn, I'm assuming, is the other best place to, to get in touch with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And You can go on LinkedIn, and, or you can attend one of our free trainings as well. That's rockstarcommunicator.com.
0: Awesome. We'll put all those links in the show notes. Brendan, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being on the Garlic Marketing
1: Show. Of course, thanks for having me, brother.
0: Uh, And thank you all for taking Brendan and I on your journey. Make sure to connect with him. Make sure to follow him on YouTube. I mean, I think public speaking, no matter who you are, I know public speaking will benefit you, especially if you're an introvert and think, hey, I don't have those skills. I don't want to be those skills. It's you know, Brendan's got this. So much information on that YouTube channel. Obviously knows what he's talking about. Make sure to follow that YouTube channel. And then, uh, you know, make sure to connect with him on LinkedIn. But thank you all for taking Brendan and I on your journey. This has been I and Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video. You know it'll make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads. Better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of The Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of The Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com garlic to get started today. That's it for The Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow I & Garlic on Facebook.